Before we dive into the episode, I want to tell you about this awesome new partnership that I have with Tzatziki's Mediterranean Cafe that is for you specifically, my podcast listeners. Everyone is looking to get in shape, stay in shape, lose weight, or get more toned at the beginning of the year. And there's not always the healthiest food options for you to have when you're on the go or you just don't have time to cook. But there is Tzatziki's. Why is Tzatziki's one of my favorites? It's because of what they stand for. They've made the source of their food and their ingredients one of their highest priorities because they understand that the quality of their products directly impacts the customer dining experience. Their standards are high and they've worked hard to find farmers and producers whose values align with theirs. This includes using grass-fed beef, humanely raised lamb, and high-quality imported ingredients from Greece. I still remember the first time that I had tzatziki's two years ago. I had never been before because I didn't even really know what Mediterranean food was, and then I had it and I was literally blown away. Like I couldn't I couldn't believe how good it was. It tasted like it was fresh out of the kitchen and it had so much flavor. So I want you to enjoy Tzatziki's too. From now until March 28th, Tzatziki's is offering the listeners of the Best You Podcast 15% off with the code BESTYOU. This offer is only available to those who live in the Nashville area and this code is only available for online orders or orders through the Tzatziki's app. Again, from now until March 28th, use the code BESTYOU to get 15% off. Quality of food is literally the number one thing that you need to focus on in order to get closer to your health and fitness goals, and Tzatziki's is the epitome of quality. My favorite meal is the grilled chicken pesto hero, so go take advantage of this offer before it's too late. Again, use the code BESTYOU to get 15% off. Do you lack motivation to keep getting into the gym? Do you lack structure with your fitness routine? Do you keep doing the same thing over and over again and, and getting the same exact result? If that sounds like you, then I want you guys to make sure that you go check out my brand new revamped 10-week program because so many people struggle with a lack of motivation. They struggle with a lack of structure, but we make sure that we start off the program by getting very clear on what is the exact goal that you want to achieve. Then we determine the strategy. We determine the two or the three things that are the most important things that you need to do every single week in order to achieve that goal. And then I help you hold you accountable every single week, week after week, to make sure you're actually making progress. Like I don't let my clients go more than a few weeks if they're not continuing to make progress to their goals. So make sure you guys check out my brand new 10-week program at nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. That way you can go from a lack of motivation to being able to jump out of bed every single morning. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super fired up today to have the one and only Elliot Marshall with me today. Elliot, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. Glad we could do it. I'm not the one and only, but I am the (laughs) Elliot Marshall. I am my (laughs) Elliot Marshall. (laughs) There you go. There you go. That's that's a better way to say it, I guess. Um, Well, to introduce you real quick, Elliot, you're a former professional MMA fighter, um, and you hold black belts in karate and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and uh, you're also... Uh, you earned a UFC contract and, and fought for about four years, and you're also the co-owner of Easton Training Center, one of Colorado's leading martial arts schools with seven locations across the Denver area. You're the author of the Gospel of Fire and host of the Gospel of Fire podcast. And to kind of go back real quick, like I said, you're uh, you own seven locations of the Easton Training Center or, or co-owner of it. And I have a brother that lives out in Denver, like I mentioned to you before, and I remember he said maybe about. I can't remember how long, maybe a year ago or six months ago now, that he went to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class. And so about a week ago, I asked him which one that was, and it was Eastern Training Center. Yeah, and, which uh, one did he go to? 
Uh, you know what? I, I didn't ask which location. I should have asked which location, but uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I thought that was that was awesome. Definitely a a small world. But uh, the way I kind of want to start today, Elliot, is to give everybody a little bit more of a background. I know, kind of starting to want to get into fighting started relatively young for you. So when did that start? Why did it start? That kind of thing. So martial arts started for me when I was six years old, 1986. The Karate Kid came out. Um, I jump front kicked the house, uh, the, the lamp in the house, and I broke it. And my parents <laughs> were like, okay, let's just put you in karate. So I started doing karate, and I did karate. You know, th- there was no jiu-jitsu back then. There was no UFC. There was none of that, right? Well, I guess there was jiu-jitsu, just not in America. Um, so I did karate my whole life up until I was about 17, 18 years old. And then, you know, I, I, my, one of my friends, we were at the, you know, the national tournament um, for, for karate. And, you know, for karate, for point sparring, you, you compete against your friends because you're not really hitting each other, right? You're not beating each other up. So, um, and he dodged my division. And I was like, man, you old man, what are you scared? And he said, yeah, no, actually, I'm not. You should come over to my house next Friday. So I was like, word. And he was like 30 something, you know, in, in his 30s which now to me is young, but at the time that was old, right? Because I was 17 and man, he just dusted me with this jujitsu stuff. Wow. And that I didn't even know existed. I was like, what is this? And then from that day on, I was just like, man, I got to learn this. Okay. So then that's when you kind of started getting into, into jujitsu. Then when was the point where you thought of like, okay, I think I actually want to turn pro with this thing. I actually want to make this thing like a, my thing. Okay. So that's a side story a little bit that goes along with this. Um, so I am an African-American Jew. So my dad's black and my mom is Jewish and who her parents, my grandparents, who I spent a ton of time with survived the Holocaust. Um, so a lot of difficulty growing up um, with the interracial relationship where I grew up in South Jersey. It, uh, it wasn't so kosher, right? Uh, my house got spray painted, you know, the N-word, swastikas all the time. Uh, I fit in nowhere. And this, this martial arts place gave me a place to fit in, you know? Mm. Um, and then the UFC came out and I just said it. I was like, hey, and this is before, this is still when I was unpopular, right? Like when I, when I wasn't fitting in. And I just said I was going to fight in the UFC someday. And it kind of grew from, like, I just said it and people were like, oh, wow, you do that kind of stuff? And I was like, oh, yeah, I was lying a little bit at the time. But then people, like, accepted me a little more. And then when I went to college, people like, oh, you do that jujitsu stuff. And I, and I was cool, right? Um, so I guess to cover up all of my insecurities, all of, all of this fear, all of this anxiety, all of this trauma I had from my childhood of not fitting in and all of that stuff, uh, that's why I said I was going to fight. And then, you know, I, I was doing jujitsu and I won just about everything there was to win with jujitsu. And I'm married at this point, and my wife looks at me one day. I'm getting out of the shower, and she's like, you know, this jujitsu thing, it's all great, but you don't make any money. You work at a fucking bar. Uh, let's, let's either fight or get a job. Um, I hate jobs. I, I hate working for someone. So I said, okay, cool. Called the promoter the next day, got a fight. How old were you, how old were you when that was the, when, when you said that? 25. And I fought okay. when I was 20, you know, I fought a couple months later. Okay. And... After that first, did you win that first fight? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Did you immediately feel like 
you had made the right decision when she kind of had that almost like, are you going to fight or are you going to get a job? Did you feel confident immediately in saying that I'm going to go fight and, and I'm going to continue this thing? Or was it, was it kind of a, a longer debate in your head that you were a little unsure about? No. So I always thought I was going to fight in the UFC. I wanted to be the champ, man, you know, yeah. um, for a lot of the wrong reasons that, that came to, to came up later, you know, um, it's what ended up holding me back from what I was, you know, you can never say if you would be the champ, but I didn't give myself the opportunity to be the champ because of the things, because of my insecurities of, of who, who and where I was in life and, you know, um, and the things that I was hiding. Okay. So I, I feel like I was maybe going to gonna wait a little bit, but I don't want to wait a little bit. Um, when you're talking about, because you mentioned in, insecurities now a few different times, when did you feel like you started to become aware of insecurities that maybe you held but didn't show? That's a good question. Aware of but didn't show. Aware of and hid? Uh, high school, you know? Mm-hmm. Really aware of and, and, and just buried down college. More aware of and just kept hammering it down fighting uh and then 2016 the 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 volcano erupts and says hey you can't you can't bury this anymore Mm -hmm. so let's let's uh let's talk a little bit about that kind of 2016 time and i know that it was it was kind of after after your fighting career had, had basically ended and you were having some success with business and everything like that, and then you essentially had this four-day or five-day stint where you really didn't sleep whatsoever. You were staying up all night, super high anxiety, uh, all this stuff. You have a couple uh, a couple kids at the time. Why do you feel like it was then that the anxiety reached a point to where the volcano erupted and not any point before that? Who knows? You know, who knows why it erupted? Um, like I can give you the circumstances around it. Like we had just gone on a vacation, uh, Hawaii, four hour time difference, come back, jet lagged. But for some reason, the anxiety, I couldn't see that it was jet lag, right? I thought it was, what the fuck's wrong with me? And, uh, and then there it went, the devil got its hook in and the, and the, you know, that hook lasted for about nine months. Very, very difficult time. Very difficult, um, just a very difficult period of my life that I am extremely grateful for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and obviously I know the, that four or five day period was super tough and something you talk about a lot, but just to give everybody a little bit more kind of insight and, and uh, into what that actually looked like and what that actually felt like for you. If you could just take a couple of minutes and, and riff on that, that'd be great. So look, man, um, when you say like, ah, you're up all night, not sleeping. It's one thing if you're up all night with your baby and you had a baby and you're not sleeping, if you're up all night and you're partying, you have these reasons to not be sleeping. It's not, you know, you're just tired, but when you're up all night wrestling with the bear of your mind, right? You have this, this beast, this devil of your mind that just won't let you out and just screaming that you are not okay. That's what it's screaming at you. And that's, you're just fighting all night long. It's exhausting. Like it's just exhausting. And then like, you know, you get up and then with the anxiety come, when the anxiety comes, like you get, you know, you get like maybe a one or two hour break, but then, you know, come 11 o'clock, you start getting paranoid that the night is coming again. And I know this all sounds very irrational, but 
this is what uh, anxiety does. It doesn't make you have rational thought. And you're just like, oh my God, I'm not going to sleep again. How am I going to sleep? And then you start trying to set your day up so that you sleep well. And that's just, again, it's just like, just think about that. Um, don't think of a pink elephant. And there you go. And then you're just like, oh my God, pink elephant. And like all day, you're like, God, I got to sleep. I got to sleep tonight. I got to sleep tonight. I got to sleep tonight. Then you put your head on the pillow. I got to sleep. I got to sleep. I got to sleep. And you just, you just go down the rabbit hole again. You're exhausted but it doesn't matter. Um, at the, you know, during this point at, at through this nine months, man, um, I could take two prescription sleeping pills and a milligram of Xanax and I could stay awake through that. That's not, that's a lot. Yeah. That's, nuts. <laughs> that's not, and that's not the time any bounce. No, no. Um, and, and, you know, I've heard you talk about how, like you said, you start to plan your day around trying to get sleep and then you get, anxiety around not being able to sleep while you can't sleep. And, and it's just obviously a, a terrible cycle, but to kind of backpedal a little bit, you know, you went down that timeline of insecurities started to maybe pop up in high school, a little bit of awareness and more in college and more when fighting. If you had to kind of give a message to yourself back when you started to become more and more and more aware of some of these insecurities, what would that message of advice have been to, ensure or make it so you didn't have it all bottle up to where this until the volcano erupted. I don't believe in looking back. I don't believe, uh, it had to happen that way. Like this, like for me to be here right now talking to you and have the opportunities and what my life has in front of me, um, or, or placed on my lap, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to change anything. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe in that. Uh, and I, and I have the privilege of saying that because my life has been very lucky. You know, um, there's no one in the world that's luckier than me. I, I don't care. You, you'll never convince me otherwise. Um, and when I say lucky, look, I, I was lucky enough that it was just hard enough, right? Like this beast, this beast gets a lot of people. This beast conquers a lot of people and it didn't, didn't conquer me what if it was 10 percent harder and everyone's like oh you would have done it we don't know that right we don't know that what if i suffered 10 percent more what if what you know so um my suffering was just enough to allow me to find some uh some power in my life and that's just how i view it so what would i tell myself so it didn't happen i wouldn't tell myself anything i would want it to happen just like it did because i that's those are the cards that i've been dealt that's awesome. I love the, uh, I love that outlook, and I love how you're you reframe it in a way to where now it's your strength, and and now it's part of your story, and now it's it's how you serve other people. And I've, one of the things I've heard you say before is that real strength is knowing where you're weak. And so, maybe to kind of re, I feel like it's kind of reframing a similar question. The, to what I just asked is like if if other people right now are starting to become aware of their insecurities they're started becoming aware of of where they are weak or where they lack what is what's your message to them to now okay now that you're aware of it this is kind of what you can go do to start to um own or accept the insecurities and start moving forward with them i would start with why are you here why do you exist in the world who are you like the, it's a very simple question who are you what you know like and can you can you put some definitions on yourself um 
and that, you know, I'm kind of a Buddhist and they don't like to do this, right? Like to define yourself, but this, 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 I do like to do. Who are you as a human being? So that's where I would start with that, that question, right? Because you can start to find purpose after that. So who are you? You know, so I know exactly who I am. Like, and, and it comes and when you're asking yourself these, who are you questions that your answers must be very neutral. Um, what do you mean by neutral? Okay, neutral. They're not positive or negative. So who am I? I'm a father. Until the Mm. day I die, I will be a father. After I die, I will still be those two boys' father. When they die, guess what? I'll still be their father. You can't take it away from me. It's not possible. Nothing can change that will make that not be true. I am a teacher. Forever, I will be a teacher. When I die, I'll still have been somebody's teacher right? I'll be a student first of my parents and then of my teacher, Amal. I will always be a student. That will never change. I'm a leader. I am a fighter and I am a survivor. So those things are all true. They will always be true and they will always be true every single day of my life and after my life. So it's neutral. Can't tell yourself you're the best because when you, because when you're not the best, it's not true ground you're standing on. Right. So during these times of struggle, the ground is unsteady. They're rocky. It's over here. It's over there. And you are just all over the place with it. You need something to plant some goddamn roots in. Right. You need to anchor yourself in, know who you are. And then after that, tell yourself what you're capable of. But if you're lying to yourself about who you are, you have a major issue because then you don't know what you're capable of. You're trying to fake it. You know? So my first question that I would ask everybody is like, okay. If you were working with me, right? If you, I would say, man, who are you? But let, yeah. let, you tell me, let's work through this. Who are you piece? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I like that. I think it, like you said, it serves as the foundation for who you are. And if you're lying to yourself, then you don't have that solid bedrock of a foundation. So if that is maybe one of the initial things that you kind of had to figure out when working through yours, your insecurities, when kind of discovering that true foundation for yourself, when really discovering who you were, what was, what was kind of next? So like, okay. So the first thing I was, was a father, right? Like that's my number one. So the question becomes, how do I become the best? How, how do I be the best father? Hmm. Um, And a lot of times you think, oh, you got to do this for your kids or that for your kids or blah, blah, you know? And for me, the answer became, I have to show them what the, I have two boys, what the best man looks like in the world. So now everything comes back to that. Like, am I showing the kids how to be a, be a man? Because that's their men, you know? Um, If I had a daughter, it would be, am I showing my daughter what a man should do? how a man should be so that she can then be like, okay, that's who I got. Like, all right, I got, I got a point at my dad, you know, and it would be my wife's job to show her how to be a strong woman in the world, you know, and, and not even need a man. Right. Like you, and, and that would be part of it. And I, that'd be my part too. Right. That would not be my part, obviously, you know, how to be independent and, and not settle. And, you know, and it's my, and my wife, that's her kind of role with, with the boys, you know? Yeah. I like that. I like that. So to kind of stay along this for, for, I guess, lack of better terms, this transformational journey, if you will, you, I know you talk about it lasting about nine months or so. And, and it, and it probably didn't happen to where it was like, Oh, after nine months, it was, it was a flip of the switch. Right. But 
what 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 makes you say nine months? You know what I mean? Like I, like I said, it wasn't a flip of a switch at the end of nine months. I was in good. But what 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 did you start to feel differently that allowed you to say nine months and not ten months or eleven months? If that makes sense. So I, you know, I don't know. It could have been ten months. I, I couldn't tell you, but I, you know, I'm assuming right around nine months, right? Right. Um, it wasn't a year. A year. I felt, I was starting to feel much better. So it was somewhere between that nine and twelve month mark, um, anywhere in there. Um, I started sleeping better. You know, I, I was no longer at that nine, 10 month mark, wherever that was, I was no longer taking sleeping pills every night. Mm. Um, it was more sporadic, you know? Uh, and I really found some purpose, man. You know, I really found some purpose in my life. Nice. Well, were there other positive habits maybe that you had started to implement that you feel like were allowing you to f- feel that purpose and, and and be able to sleep and stuff. So these habits happened right away. You know, these habits, you know, what, what I, one of the, some of the steps, so meditation therapy, you know, I take medicine. I, I'm on a anti-anxiety med. Um, so, and a lot of people have shame around that. Uh, and I feel it's like this, it brings the level down just enough so that I can do all this work that I have to do, like meditate, like journal, like, you know, show up as the best Elliot possible. Um, and what I really did was I, I flipped the focus off of me. Um, I decided and I, and I had to look at, look at my life and my perspective differently. And, and not, not to say that uh, I probably, I'm one of the most accomplished jiu-jitsu teachers, you know, school owners around with my UFC career, with my jiu-jitsu career, all of it combined. But I had to flip that and be like, man, it is my privilege that any one student would show up and spend one hour of their day with me. It is Mm -hmm. not their privilege that I'm teaching them. It is my privilege because my hour is no different than your hour. And if you're choosing it to come learn from me, well, man, I better show up and I better give to you in a way that nobody else can give to you. That that you feel like, God damn, Elliot is here and Elliot is given his all right now in this class. And to this day, last night, when I was teaching my classes, it was everything I had in every moment I have. I, I try to make sure uh, that I'm being as skillful and, and, and looking at it from that perspective as I can. Wow. That's powerful. That is, um, that's something I feel like I haven't heard before that, but that's really taking, I feel like a, a step in humility, not that they should feel privileged to have you but you should feel privileged to have them i feel like that's a great paradigm shift to make we're going to take a brief pause in the interview really quickly because if you're somebody who is looking to achieve a fitness goal or maybe you lack motivation to get into the gym you lack some structure in your in your weekly routine or maybe you've been wanting to get back into the fitness game and get back to maybe your weight loss goal or whatever goal it is and you're not really quite sure how if that sounds like you my 10-week program is for you because i help everybody set a very specific goal Then we create a very specific strategy of the two or the three things that we need to do every single week that we believe are going to make us successful with our overall goal. And that'll help you execute and I'll help you hold you accountable every single week. So you do the things that you kind of know you should be doing, but you're, you're not quite doing them right now. And that's what I've done with hundreds of people over the past 365 days, over the past a little over a year. And I want you to make sure that you are part of it as well. And enough for me. I want you to hear from the people who have done it in the past, what they've got out of it and and why they did it in the first place. So here you go. 
I cannot say enough good things about Nick's 10 week program. I have always been somebody who has worked out but never really had a fitness goal. If anything I really wanted to achieve, it was more so just to stay in shape. And Nick does a great job of helping you not only define the goal, but also realize what steps you need to take to get there. Tomorrow, as of my weigh-in week nine, I hit my goal of losing 25 pounds in 10 weeks. Just the whole methodology of the program, with it being one big goal, followed by some smaller goals to help me reach that big goal, and then the weekly commitments to help me reach those smaller goals. During these times, it's helped strengthen my mental health and strengthen my focus and really made sure to hold me accountable to my goals. I'm so happy that I was able to hit the goal and uh, so much so that I decided to do another 10 weeks with Nick. I would recommend it to anybody, no matter what your goals are, if it's weight loss, if it's running a shorter mile, if it's anything you would like to achieve, I think that this program gives you the tools to set yourself up for success. But one of the biggest benefits for me, and the biggest takeaway I had was one I wasn't necessarily set out to improve upon, and that was building more self-confidence and really instilling self-accountability. The program was great. Um, I'm doing it again a second time to continue my weight loss, and I just can't recommend it enough. So again, guys, if you lack motivation, if you lack structure, if you want to get back into your fitness game, but you're not really sure how, then I want you to make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs to learn more. For now, let's get back to the interview. What's the one, what is the one asset or the one thing that you can never get more of? Time. So, you know. Yeah. If you like that, you, that you want to sit here and talk to me, I better do it. I better do a really skillful job right now because I don't, because I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. So in every instance that I have with another human being, I'm like, God damn, I got to make this as skillful as possible because we don't get this back. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't get this moment back. So, uh, you know, and, and you can extrapolate this out to like, you know, people, people in their events, right? You're, you have an event coming in the future. And it's really important. And you you can destroy yourself right now and then destroy yourself for that event, right? Look, you got to do all the preparation that you can for the event. But if you make it too big of a deal, if you make it too serious, you don't even know you're going to make it to the said event. Who hmm. knows what could happen? How about you do right now in this very moment the best you can? So whatever that is, if it's showing up with your kids, if it's showing up with your spouse, if it's doing an interview with Nick, you know, it doesn't matter it's the most important thing you've got. That's awesome. I love it. I love it, dude. That was well said. Well said. Well, I want to I want to kind of go to back to the fighting stuff a little bit because I feel like it's a it's a powerful part of your story and it's a powerful part of your TED talk that you've given where you talk about you you go into this fight and you get knocked down and you're getting punched and you're getting elbowed and and you talk about how coward Elliot showed up in this moment and how you felt and how you kind of quit and you kind of had the, you know, the referee come in and, and end the fight for you. Again, not in, not in the sense of looking back and, and, and regret and, and I would have done it differently and I wish it would have happened differently, but in the sense of like maybe giving somebody else advice who might be getting ready to experience something similar. Is there anything that you could have done somebody who is getting ready to go into a fight could do to try to try to prevent or, or avoid 
having the, that cowardice version of themselves kind of show up in that challenging moment. So this coward exists in all of us, right? This, this, whatever you want to call him, he still exists in me. You know, um, I have, I have to say fuck you to him. Right. So, um, how to not show up. You, you surround yourself with a team. Mm. You surround yourself with a team that you really, really trust and that you would go to battle and war with. You need brothers and sisters and you need a leader and a mentor and you need somebody like, you know, for this fight thing you're, you're talking, you need a team of coaches and a team of team of comrades that when you walk into battle, you are willing to drop and lay your life down for them. And they are willing to lay their lives down for you. And that's what you need in your life. You know, awesome. and I think, yeah. I think people don't have that. You know, I think, I think, uh, I think we talk about that, but, um, my friend Jay puts it really well. And this is kind of a harsh way to look at it. He, if he, if he loves you, you know, like for example, he loves me. So I have a fuck you list and I have a get a guest list and on his fuck and on my fuck you list, he wouldn't even ask you if I was right or wrong, if you were on my fuck you list, then you're on his fuck you list. Doesn't even matter. Like he could have been like, you know, he, let's say, you know, let's put a level on friendship. Let's say he and I are a 10. If he was a, if he was a nine with you, but I'm a 10. If I say fuck you to you, it's fuck you, man. And then he has what's called a guest list. Where anybody that I say, yo, man, this person's really important to me, they automatically become really important to him. Now, look, you can't have many people like this in your life, right? You can't, because then, like, you know, but you need people like this. You need people, and we need people that, like, it just wouldn't matter. Like, if you, I have to trust you so wholeheartedly that if you said, Elliot, I need you right now, and this is not going to be pretty, this is going to be ugly, and this is going to be dirty, and this is going to be messy, and this, I don't know what will happen at the end of this. You need people in your life that you just, you, you don't ask any questions. Yeah. And that's, that's super uh... important. And it's, and people won't do it, you know, because we're scared. We won't, we like to say we live up to our values, but we don't actually live them. That's a next le- that's a next level of friendship right there that's for sure. Yeah. What do you What do you have to experience with somebody to become that level of uh, a friend with them? First of all, I think you have to know who you are. Like you have to be a person of honor where you don't just speak words. You know, where you, where you don't just speak words. You have to you have to uh, really live your actions. Like, you know, when you talk about values, you know, when, if, if, man, if you walk in somewhere and you see like, you know, a company or somebody's core values, they say on the wall, man, walk right out. Cause they're trying to tell you what they are. They're not trying to show you. It's the same thing with children. Right. So how do you, uh, how do you build a friendship like that? Time, time and commitment and love to each other. You know, I'm going to pick up my phone for a second because my friend told, sent me such a good, uh, uh, a good quote the other day. I'm going to find it, and, you know, and I'm not religious, but you know, I do, but I think that there are some things that in religions that are really great. You know, it was Proverbs 20, 27, six wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So sometimes your friends mm-hmm. are the ones giving you the biggest wounds, but you know, they're true. I want to hear yeah. them right? I want to hear them. 
I want you to tell me. I don't want you to tell me how great I am. That's for the out. That's for the people that don't know me. My friends, my real friends, be like, "Yo, Elliot, let's st- let's step your game up here, homie. Yeah. Let's step your game up. You're not speaking well. You're not showing up well. You know, yeah. those, those are the kinds of friends you can trust. Because then they don't leave you. Then they're like, okay, let's let's do this together. So now you know, like you know, so when you talk about like the fight and going to battle, like man, with my athletes right now, we go to battle. I love it. I love it. I love going into enemy territory because everywhere's enemy territory when you go to battle. You know, when you go in a fight, it's you against, it's you and them against the world. Yeah. Like you said, I think, you know, if they're willing to give you the constructive feedback, if you will, to, to just have that phrase, um, then they're, they're, that means if they're giving you the constructive feedback, they haven't left. They're, they're, they're willing to accept you with the, with the constructive feedback. They're probably willing to help you out and, and help you uh, get better, uh, but get better through it. So, yeah, that's powerful. I have, you know, like, for example, I have a girl, she's in camp right now, you know, one of my, and, and she, she lives in Texas, but she comes here. She's got a, she's got a husband and a daughter there, you know, they stay in Texas. She comes here and does camp with me. And a lot of times we're, you know, and, and we're, we're kind of new to each other, but we've become very close. Um, and she wants to do so well to show me that she's like learning and being a good student. Right. And that can hinder. And what I said to her, like halfway through camp, cause you have to, you have to have a fighter excuse me, you have to take them through this mental process, right? And we have to go through this process of ourselves as well. Like you, you show up in camp, you feel good. You, you do really well the first week, you know, that maybe the first week and a half. And then camp starts to get hard. You start to get tired. And, and then I have to do some things to her where I, you know, like the next two, three weeks at camp, I'm feeding her a fresh person every round where she's getting tired and they're fresh, right? And it's like, and she's not doing as well as she thinks she should be and right. And I'm breaking her down. I'm breaking her down to the point where she just, where, where we are going, where it's like, she's like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You're going to do another one, you know? And then towards the end of camp and we're in this, this end stage now, you know, um, hold on, let me back up a sec. So in, in this breakdown piece, I say, I said to her, I was like, look, I don't want to see perfection. I want to see the mess of it all. I want to see, I want to see it just crumble when, when shit gets as hard as possible. How are you going to act? Cause I need to see that now. Right. Cause I need to see that now. Cause the fight, a fight could do that to anybody, right? Fights get messy. You get your nose broken, your eye busted, you're hurt, you're tired, you're fatigued. You're, you're worrying about your own personal safety. Right. So I need to see that out of my fighters. What are you going to do when it's really, really ugly? Right. And then after we go through that really, really ugly stage, we start to build them back up. Those same people, you take one person, right, who they were struggling with, you know, the person that you were giving them in the fourth round that was kind of beating them that shouldn't beat them. Now you give them that person for three rounds straight. Right. So that so now that you that my, my fighter gets to do really well now because she's she's fresh. She's not beaten and broken. Right. And she gets to break the other person's confidence and build and build and build. And then the fight comes and you're just beaming with confidence, beaming, because I don't know if you know what the best performance enhancing drug is like the best PED you can have. Do you know what it is? Confidence or belief in yourself. That's right, yeah. man. Confidence. If you believe in your, if I have a fighter or a person that believes in themselves and, or, or you could give me one that doesn't believe in themselves and takes drugs, I'll take the belief. I'll take the yeah. belief all day, every fucking day. Cause let's go. I, I couldn't go ahead. Now you just take that to life because life's a goddamn fight. Yeah, no, I, I, com- I completely agree in regards to like, I think belief is definitely the 
I like how you said the best performance enhancing drug because to give a little uh, example of recently, I feel like this is kind of maybe a little bit of a stretch, but Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers. Like now that now that he's on that team, the entire team now believes they can go to the Super Bowl, and it's like a, a lot of the a lot of the same players. But it's like now that he's on the team, they believe they can go, and so all of a sudden they all they start playing better as a team. They they were garbage last year. They were garbage, right? And then you come on, man. You added a forty three year old quarterback. You added a forty three year old quarterback, and how old's Gronk? How many surgeries that motherfucker had, right? Yeah. And now they win the Super Bowl. Antonio Brown couldn't stay on a team to save his damn life, right? You know. And now they win the Super Bowl with nothing else different. Everything else the same. Yeah. You you he he added belief and confidence to that team. They were trash, and now they're the Super Bowl champs. Yeah, I know. Insane. Insane. Um, and, I, and I hate Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, like, but like, we, like you said, the principles, the principle of belief was there. He's the GOAT. He's the yeah. goddamn GOAT. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, I kind of want to speak, like you said, you're, you're a coach now, and and you've, you've always been a coach, but what is maybe the one or two most important lessons or experiences that you learned through all of your fighting and your anxiety and your insecurities that you're now able to take? Like I learned these, this lesson or these two lessons and now apply it to my own coaching philosophy. And it really is beneficial to my um, students. You must understand how you feel. You must have you. You must have you. You understand how you feel, because you, when you feel a certain way, you act a certain way. Every single person. Now, mostly like males, for example, we don't get so in touch with our feelings. Sometimes I, I wish you know. I we have to work on that as a as a whole, as a collective whole. I would say males, um, but we do understand our behaviors, right? Like I do this. So if we were if we reverse engineer that and say, okay, I behave this way. Why did I behave this way? Because I feel this way, okay? I feel this way generally because you have a need that's not getting met. And a lot of times you, you feel a certain way, you know, because again, you have a need and that sounds kind of hippy-dippy, be aware of your feelings. Well, look, your feelings are 100% on you. They're not on anybody else. Nobody can make you feel sad or happy or anything, okay? Now you can be super aware of a need that you have that is missing, you know, so you have to be able to now verbalize your need in a non-violent, non-aggressive way so that you can express, hey, this is my need, you know, and if you can communicate how you feel and you can communicate what you need, now we're talking. How do you, I was just gonna say, how do you, you know, you, you talked about um, how how you feel essentially determine, determines how you act and, and, and then you reverse engineer, okay, I'm acting like this, so, so how am I feeling and, and things like that. What are, what are some maybe other practical things that you do to, to coach people in regards to help them understand deeper how they feel? Is it looking at their actions? Is it I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to journal? So Okay, so literally with, with my girls, I can just ask them how they're feeling. <laughs> Yeah, makes sense. I get that. You know, I can just ask them how they're feeling. And if they trust me, right, 
if they trust me, they tell me how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we go, okay. And then you, you walk through it. And then once you get that out, then cool, they'll do whatever, you know, for the males, you have to go, tell me, you, you start with, tell me how you're behaving. And you talk about their actions. Now look, I'm generalizing, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you talk about their actions and then, you know, as you go through the actions, then it's all right. Why'd you act that way? Well, man, motherfucker, my girl did this. Oh, okay. Hold on. Your girl might've done something, right? But how you acted and how you feel based on that, it's all in you. Nobody can do anything to you. Like when you asked me earlier today, what was something that made me smile? And I just smile and I smile because homie, it's every day. Every day's mine. My wife can't ruin my day. I, you know, I, I, I stole this from Gary Vee. I really loved it. My day is a zero or it's a 10. It's, it's binary. It's a zero if somebody really, really close to me dies, right? Other mm-hmm. than that, we get sick. Other than that, it's a 10. It's amazing. I didn't sell a course today. Oh, well. My, you know, this happened. Oh, well. Oh, well. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's, that's, that's just information, right? Results are just information. If you just take results as information so that you can be more skillful throughout your days, then every day is a goddamn 10. If you take results and you let that touch your ego and you let that touch uh, what, who, who you are, then you don't really know who you are because there's no result that can touch what were my I ams again? Father, teacher, student, yep. leader, fighter, survivor. If I win a fight, do any of those six things change? No. If I lose a fight, do any of those six things change? If I have a million dollars or $10, do any of those things change? Mm-hmm. No. So no event in my life can touch who I am. So if no event in my life touches who I am, then I'm good. Yeah. Events, events are just information. Yeah, no, that's, that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, I, I, I think that's probably one of the most, honestly, that's one of the most important mindset shifts I think anybody can make. Results are just information um, because good or bad, good or bad. Um, I think one of the... Everything has benefits and drawbacks. Yep. Right? Everything has benefits and drawbacks. And, and I'll give an example. I have a student, right? And she was going to compete and she was all, she was all nervous about it. You know, she's like, what if, what if I win or lose? And I'm like, okay, what if you win or lose us? And you know, I've been working with her for a while now. I was like, so your worst match, do you remember your worst match? She's like, yeah, of course we joke about it. I was like, what was your worst match? She was like, I lost 42 to two. And I was like, yep, you lost 42 to two, right? Like worst match ever. She was like, yeah, worst match ever. And I was like, great. Okay. Let's find some benefits to your worst match ever. Um, were you and I working together yet? And she was like, no. And I was like, but we met there. Like we became more friendly there. Right. And she was like, yeah. I was like, and then you started to get closer to me. Right. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, and then you became Anna's partner. And she was like, yeah. I was like, so then you got to work with me like every day. Right. And she was like, yeah. You know? And then I was like, oh, and you got way more skillful. She was like, yes. And I was like, then that led to you actually winning a world title at your level, you know, where she was. And she was like, yeah, I won the world title. I was like, oh, amazing. So that world title was like maybe the best day you competed. And she was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, okay, let's find some drawbacks. You won that world title, right? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I gave you another new belt, right? You got promoted. You stepped up a level. She was like, yeah. I was like, and now you have to compete against tougher competition. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, and that makes you more nervous. And she's like, yeah. I was like, because they're better now, right? And she's like, yeah. I was like, so there's benefits to the losses and there's drawbacks to the win 
as a powerful everything exercise. Has, everything has benefits and drawbacks. So when something good happens, find the benefit, find the drawbacks. When something bad happens, find the benefits. Yeah. That way you can stay real neutral, just like your IMs. Neutral as fuck. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's something that I've heard more and more on the podcast, honestly, about successful people is they never get too high. They never get too low. They always can stay pretty even keel. And that's like, especially you see that with a lot of, I feel like, I mean, because they're in the public eye, but with a lot of athletes, with a lot of coaches and stuff. Neutral. Did you watch the last dance documentary with Michael Jordan? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When they were, you remember that, I don't know, it was like episode eight or nine or something when they were all like shooting from half court, making bets. Oh yeah. And he was about to shoot it. And somebody asked him if he was nervous and he was like, man, why would I be nervous about a shot? I didn't even take yet. (laughs) That was good. And that's what it is. It's just neutral, right? Yeah. Just neutral. No, I'm not fucking nervous, man. Yeah. That's just going to hold you back. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, uh, getting, uh, getting down here toward, towards the end, um, Elliot, you know, you, you, like you said, it's ever, it's still, the the coward in you is the coward in all of us is is always going to be there there's always things that you're working through but now you kind of identify it as your best friend that's something that you you constantly learn from and and constantly shows up but you're okay with it showing up what is what is maybe something that you feel like you're currently working through or working on the most in regards to insecurities all that kind of stuff Oster syndrome mm why would anybody listen to me? Why would you have me on this podcast? I'm just some dude. I'm just some, if you could see me cry, right? Like if you could see this, this, this coward Elliot, you would not be wanting me on this podcast. There's no reason you would want to talk to me. (laughs) And there's no reason that anybody would want to listen to me. And there's no reason that anybody would actually come and learn from me because You know, Whew, this, yeah. I, he can go who, who I think of what I think about myself sometimes. Who yeah, yeah. can be mm-hmm. super unskillful. So what, what's something that you're currently doing to help you through that and, and not let it hold you back? So when you have imposter syndrome, you're just comparing yourself to somebody else. So I asked myself, who am I comparing myself to? Who am I being an imposter of? And then I find their drawbacks. Ah, that's good. Right? Like everyone's, everyone has this. Yeah. I have it, right? So if someone's comparing themselves, if you're comparing yourself to me, yeah, give me a phone call and I will tell you, I'll put my wife on the phone and she will tell you all of my drawbacks. You know, I love my wife, but I know all her drawbacks too. Like I know where she's going to show up like an asshole and she knows where I'm going to show up like an asshole. And we work on that. Right. And then, you know, you have to, but it's what it is. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a powerful thing to ask because I think, I mean, I, I feel like everybody experiences the imposter syndrome to a certain extent. Um, any, anytime you open freaking Instagram or anytime you open social media, I feel like there's a little bit of that. And so I think trying to examine maybe where some other time you open the door to trying to be a more skillful human being. Once, once you take the red pill of like personal growth, yeah, you're going to feel like an imposter. If you think you got this, then you don't have imposter syndrome. You have an ego problem, right? Like that, there's, right. There's, different, there's different things, you know? That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, um, Elliot, before the last question here, uh, I want to acknowledge you for being 
so open about your story in the first place. I know that, you know, you've been talking about this stuff for a little bit of time now, so I don't know if it ever gets easier, but for you to be able to take that leap of faith kind of in the beginning to embrace this and, and accept this as your story, accept this as your best friend, accept the fact that I never am going to look back and regret anything that happened. I'm just going to use it as the, the best situation that could have ever happened to me and then um, use it as my power moving forward. I think that's uh, super special and hard to do. For me, it came down to one thing. Uh, I somehow got through. This This demon conquers a lot of people, right? It, it conquers a lot, a lot of people. I was lucky enough to get through. I had great friends. I had great family. I had a great support. I was financially able to go to therapy twice a week if, that, if that's what it was, you know? So what does that make my job? My, it makes my job to be able to go out and sprinkle some of this luck dust that I've been given and who knows why on somebody else. Can, can, will one person listen to this podcast and be like, all right, goddamn, I can do it. I was about to give up, but goddamn, I can do it. So if I can get one person, then, then, then we had a successful day, right? Then we had a successful day. And if we get one person that says, man, Elliot, that was amazing. You saved my life. And we get a hundred people that go, oh my God, you are complete trash. Day was good, man. Day was Amen. good. Day was a 10. It was a 10. It was a 10. You know, Amen to that. and if I, even if I get no one today, even if I get no one, not that they reach out and tell me or anything, right? I don't need that. But even if I get no one, it's okay. Cause I know what the, I know what I'm shooting towards, right? You know, okay. That wasn't so skillful. Elliot. You didn't do best you podcast so well. So let's figure out how to do it. How, let's figure out how to say the message a little better the next time. Right. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good. Well, I know everybody's going to want to go learn more about you and go support you. If you're living in Denver, then go check out Easton Training Center. But on Instagram, you can find him at FireMarshall205. Uh, you Make sure you go check out Gospel of Fire, his book. Make sure you go check out the Gospel of Fire podcast. And then website is at ElliotMarshall.com. ElliotMarshall.com, super simple. He's got a TED Talk out there as well. That's awesome. Um, listen to that uh, about a week ago. Great stuff. Anywhere else that people should go find you and go support you? Look, Instagram's the best way. You know, you can find everything off off Instagram. Um, I just released a webinar on mindset, so um, if you wanna, if you want that, that that is on my Instagram. You can, you know, you know, click link in bio, whatever, right? So it's it's there. Um, hit me up. I try to answer everyone. You know, every single person that that you know, uh, that that contacts me, I, I really really do my best to answer them because I don't. I believe that is human connection. You know, there's two things I believe that make us find purpose and find our power is what I like to call it. One is human connection. And two is we make the walk into the arena. You know, you make that walk down the, down the arena of life. You know, do not sit, do not be the, the cheerleader or sitting on the sidelines or the Monday morning quarterback. Get off your ass, make the walk and do it with someone and for someone else. And you'll find your power. Mm. That's powerful stuff. That's powerful stuff. Well, last question, Elliot, is I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is a constant journey. I think we're all always chasing down that best version. And I also think it's a unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is a little bit different than the way that you're going to get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or three things that you can currently work on to get closer to that best Elliot Marshall that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? So, man, I wake up every morning and I meditate, you know, 
It's the first thing I do. I, you know, I go to the bathroom, but then I meditate, you know? <laughs> and then after I meditate, I have gratitude time, right? I thank the universe for everything in my life, for the good and the bad, I, you know? Uh, it's like prayer, right? I, t- I talk to God. I don't, I don't know what God is, but I talk to God. Uh, and then I make some agreements with myself. I make the four agreements, right? I will try to be impeccable with my word. I will not take anything personally. I will not make any assumptions and I will look for the most skillful action always. And then after those, I just say, Hey, I say who I am every single day. And then I just say, Elliot, right now, today, baby, you're enough. Let's go. Boom. Mic drop right there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, those are uh, three great things, Elliot. Awesome today. I appreciate you. Uh, it was a it was a privilege to uh, spend the time with you today. And then that's all we got, man. It was my privilege, man. It's my privilege that anybody would want to talk to me for five minutes or forty five minutes, whatever this was. <laughs>